This week, Dorothy Bennett talks to Karina Venable about understanding her heritage, her experiences with foster care and adoption, and what makes a good movie. Karina, I'm very excited to talk to you today. You are Texas born and raised. You are originally from Texas. Yes, I am a native, <laughs> but um, my my parents were not. So I am, yeah, my sister and I are actually firstborn generation here in the U.S. And my mom and dad immigrated here from Mexico. Which part? The northern part of Mexico. So the, the state is... Um, Tamaulipas, and the city is Valle Hermoso, which means beautiful valley, but they call it the city of three lies because it's not beautiful, it's not a valley, and <laughs> it's not a city. <laughs> so, um, so it's a flat, usual looking town. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. How did you wind up in Austin? So I wound up here because I wanted to go to UT, um, but it's it's an interesting story. I don't think, I don't know if I would have ventured to come to UT had it not been for a good friend of mine in high school um, who just, he saw more potential in me than I saw in myself. And he and his mom both encouraged me to apply to go to a university. Um, I had uh, originally, I, I grew up loving school and I intended to go to college, but I didn't have a plan. And it was really um, my friend Nick and his mom who like made a plan for me. <laughs> and it was God's plan, of course. And, and they said, you're going to go to UT and, you know, you're going to be in Austin and we're going to visit you. And that's really great. I, I really relate to that kind of leaving high school, not necessarily knowing which way I was headed, but, you know, thankfully God kind of saw all that through. It sounds like for you as well, but that's amazing that somebody kind of came alongside you and, and helped you with your direction. For sure. For sure. And, and that was instrumental because it was, it wasn't until I went away to college that I was able to really see and feel my need for Christ's salvation. Um, yeah. So my friend, Nick, who was the one who was like encouraging me to go to UT, also was telling me about Jesus throughout high school. And I, you know, I listened and stuff. But to me, like the concept of a God wanting to be involved in my everyday life was just really strange and not realistic because um, it didn't line up with what my parents would tell me. Um mm. And so, like, my parents were super great parents. They took great care of my sister and me. They provided for us. They worked super hard. I mean, like I said, they immigrated here from Mexico. And so they're working hard to create a life for us here in a foreign country. Um, but they didn't have the greater story 
in mind. Like they didn't have this God story in, in mind. And so they didn't uh, raise us in that. And um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but like, but whenever you got to college, it was more so like that kind of became more apparent to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, like just these things that, um, Nick and his mom were telling me about there being a God who loves me and there being a God who, who died for me and who, whose blood covers my sins. Like all of this stuff started to actually materialize into reality. Um, like I started realizing, um, when I am at college alone, I do need someone and I need someone to carry me through my days so that I don't foolishly run to the things I usually run to, um, which were immoral relationships. Um, I just had really unhealthy relationships and that's what I would turn to for my identity, my fulfillment. Um, and I would do that unless someone is, is holding me, carrying me along. Um, and so I realized like, oh, I do need this Jesus man, you know, and this Jesus God. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful that I went to UT <laughs> because that was where I learned that most important truth. Were you involved in sort of like a, a, a collection of students that were also Christians or did you kind of make Christian friendships there to kind of help that process along? Yes. So I would not say that the process was guided by me at all. Um, it was totally the Lord placing people in my life and kind of like pulling me along. <laughs> um, and one of those people is now my sister-in-law, but at the time she was just a girl that lived on the third floor of the dorm I was living in. <laughs> and um, she would invite me to church and ask me to different events. And she just seemed like super social. I was totally shy, introvert. And so I did not want to accept any of her invitations, um, but she was persistent. And so I finally said yes to going to church with her. And that was just the beginning of me falling in love with Christ. What did you study at UT? I studied Spanish and education. Gotcha. Yeah. I wanted, I really, um, one of the things that I I wanted to do was like learn a lot more about my roots once I went to college. So uh, I learned a lot about Mexican history um, and not, so it wasn't just the language. It's also like, you know, the, the history, the culture, all that um, and learning like what, what is um, essentially my family's beginnings. Um, and, and I also always planned on being a teacher. And so I did the UTeach program and got to be in a lot of schools throughout Austin. Like every semester we would have a, a teacher mentor that was teaching in AISD and we would go and like observe their class, do some teaching ourselves, like practice teaching. And um, so that was, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. 
why did you know that you always wanted to be a teacher? Well, how early did you realize that? I thought that ever since I was like a little girl, like six years old, I think like I remember in school every year there was some activity where like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was always writing about wanting to be a teacher, wanting to be a mom, wanting to be a writer. <laughs> and so um, it's kind of funny. I'm doing all these things <laughs> that I said I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I You don't hear many stories where it's like, I, this is what I decided as a kid and this is what I am as an adult. I mean, that's like, it's really good foresight. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple other things that I listed that I did not become. So. Yeah. I think mine was like an astronaut ballerina. So yours was much, much better. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then afterwards, you taught Spanish for a few years. I did. Yeah, I started teaching at Leander High School. And I was 22. And I looked like my high school students. <laughs> so that was rough. Um, did you ever get mistaken for a student in the hallway or something? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like if I ever took off my lanyard that had my teacher identification tag, I was totally mistaken for a student. So, um, yeah, that was not the best year. But whose first year of teaching is? So, <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard all around that it's just a really big growing year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your yeah. first year of teaching. For How sure. was it with your students? Were, were you able to like build good relationships with relationships with them like over time during during those teaching years? Yeah, yeah, they were great kids. I mean, and also it it was a very eye opening experience um, just seeing the wide varieties of backgrounds that kids grow up in, yeah. like. Just some grow up with all the support in the world and others are just surrounded by people that don't care. Yeah. And so it was, it was humbling. Yeah. And did that really impact your heart early on? It did. Yeah. And I think, I think that having that experience helped a lot whenever, um, you know, years later when my husband and I were trying to have biological children of our own. And then um, when we could not, we started looking into adoption, foster care, et cetera. Um, and the, my husband initially was not interested in doing foster care at all because he just thought it would be too heartbreaking to, you know, potentially foster a child and then have to say goodbye to the child. Um, and, and like, you're not just saying goodbye to them, but you're like, letting them go back into a situation that might be harmful. Um, yeah. And so we initially did not do foster care because of that. Um, but eventually God put it on David's heart to, to let the little children come to him. Mm -hmm. And it was during a, it was a father's day sermon at, at our church. And, um, and our pastor talked about Jesus letting the little children come to him. And so when we got into foster care, we approached it as we are going to be um, vessels, so to speak, like of letting God's love go to these little children and letting these little children go to God. And it's amazing that y'all had that experience of um, realizing that God wanted y'all to go into it um, and being a bit open-handed with God. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that the experience of actually fostering a child and, and kind of going into the process of adoption still had like its moments of, of high stressful points. Yeah. How, how was that experience? Because y'all have done it twice with, with mm-hmm. two kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've actually done it three times. Uh-huh. Um, and we it was the whole thing has been an emotional roller coaster. So like, even when we don't have a child in our home, um, it's still emotional. Um, but, uh, we were blessed, uh, to get to adopt our first two placements. Um, and then I'd say the, one of the most difficult things that we went through was, a couple of years ago, we fostered a little baby boy who was born prematurely. So he came to us um, three weeks old and he was tiny, tiny. Um, and he was with us for about three months. We took care of him. Um, and then we had to say goodbye because there was a grandmother who said that she would take care of him. Um, and it was incredibly difficult to say goodbye to a little baby that we had bonded with. Um, and I mean, we had poured our souls into him. And, um, so he felt like he was our son, but you know, reality is that no, he was not our son. He, we, we were just a family to love and care for him for that short season. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was incredibly difficult. Um, what was your, what were your conversations with God like at that time needing to give him back after loving on him for those three months? Um, it, it was a lot of God help me to breathe. Mm-hmm. God help me to keep following you. Um, God carry me please. <laughs> um, yeah, it I felt like I was really understanding what it meant to need him every hour. Um, It was like every five minutes that I was having to cry out to him for the first several days. Um, And then, you know, as, as time turns into memories, um, it gets a little easier, but um, definitely now my prayers about that sweet baby boy are, are a lot of like, God, please care for him. Um, please help his mom, please, uh, you know, provide him with, with the education, with the food, with the, you know, all those things, um, yeah. we still pray for him. And so I'm just thankful that he, though he may not know it, he has people praying for him. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, it's a very powerful thing on its own. Yeah. Yeah. With, with John and James, um, uh, I got to look through a few of the photos of where they were younger and in their very snazzy suits at the court <laughs> for their adoption days and um, a couple of photos of them growing up. How has it been to watch these boys kind of grow? Well, I mean, like toddlers grow into little boys in y'all's house. Something that I've definitely learned and continue to realize is that how important it is for me to be continually telling them their story, their history. 
Um, because I think I mentioned earlier, like my parents didn't give me the greater story that I was born into. So like when I was born, I was like here in the world all of a sudden. Um, and as I was growing, I was just very much in the present. Um, and I didn't understand that the past was affecting me. And I didn't understand that what I was doing today was going to affect tomorrow. And so as my boys are growing, I am telling them their story from the past and giving them context of what they were born into. Um, and not just our small story of like, you know, my husband, me and them, not just our little story, but also the bigger God story of God created the world and this is what he began to do. And this is the plan that he began unfolding. Um, and this is where we are today. Like just, we talk about story all the time. And I think it's so important because on any given day, we can wake up thinking I'm nothing special. And we can wake up thinking like, for whatever reason, I'm not that important to mom and dad, but that's just not the truth. Like the truth is that we have parents that love us and care for us deeply. Um, we have, and, and even I could say that to my, to my sons, like even their biological parents loved them. They just couldn't fully love them. And, and I think it's so important for them to understand that. Um, and so that they can also like just be reassured of God's love for them as well. Like, because I, as a mother, am evidence of God's love for them. Like yeah. the fact that I am caring for them today and the fact that David, a, an excellent father, is caring for them today. Like we are evidences of God's love and provision for them. Um, and it's just so important for them to hear their stories again and again and to like, be really um, like stand firm in who they are. Because part of what um, part of what I mourn about my past is that I wasted so much of my life looking to people that I thought were cool or important to tell me who I was, you know, and how can a peer or like some other teenager look at me and honestly tell me who I am, <laughs> you know, like they don't know who they are. <laughs> um, and so, it, <laughs> yeah. So I just want to provide that for my sons, like just give them a solid understanding of, of their story and their place in this world um, so that they're not confused or, or wondering, like, you know, who am I? Um, yeah. yeah. And it, it does seem like y'all have been able to put the conversation of adoption in a very optimistic and, and in loving environment, um, and kind of let them know that it's been the process of choosing them and, intentionally bringing them into y'all's family and into relationship. Mm -hmm. So it seems like it's been just a wonderful thing for them to, to have that language that y'all are giving them around that. 
I hope so. I, yeah. <laughs> how is it? How, what was, how has been your, what's been your favorite thing watching David become a father to these kids? Oh, um, so many things. <laughs> um, I love seeing his silliness come out. He's super silly. Um, probably most people don't get to see that, <laughs> that side of him. But um, yeah, he's just so much fun. And I I tell my boys, I'm the serious parent and their dad <laughs> is the fun parent. <laughs> um, so yeah, they just... He loves to play with them and act out goofy things and um, make funny faces and take pictures and just, I don't know, <laughs> all sorts of shenanigans. So. That's amazing. That's really special. Yeah. yeah. And you, you have an interesting role to play because you are part of their at home and nurturing life, but you're also a part of their learning and educational life as y'all have chosen to homeschool. What's been your favorite thing in in this homeschooling venture? I for sure it's reading literature together. Mm. Um, I just love getting to read stories with my sons and getting to talk about them and um I cry a lot when we read books because golly, there's so many children's authors that like write heart-wrenching things. And it's so funny because I know I read these stories as a kid. Like I know I read Charlotte's Web, but I didn't cry when I was a kid reading Charlotte's Web. <laughs> um, and yeah, just lots of excellent books we get to read. And I'm sitting there crying and my kids are like, mom, why are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> but they get to see that. And I love that they get to see that. Um, and, and yeah, we just get to talk about our feelings, about stories. Um, just this morning, we were reading uh, Because of Win Dixie. Did you ever read oh, that? Great one. Yeah. Okay. So I've never read that one. And we were just getting to this chapter where a dad is explaining to his little girl why her mom went away. Oh. And man, I started crying. And James was telling me like, before I even started crying, he was like, this is really sad. Aww. And, you know, he's seven. Mm -hmm. and, and I just thought, I love that you are feeling the sadness because it is sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I love getting to process life through books with my sons. <laughs> That's excellent. And especially that y'all get to discuss your reactions to them. Yeah. Um, that's such like a, a beautiful, intimate thing mm -hmm. that we all be doing like as a family through an education environment. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Because of when Dixie is a really sad one. Um, and same for like the bridge to Terabithia. I think that's like a couple yeah. of years ahead of that one. And yeah, we'll get you. And I feel like um, there, there's such a, there's such like a wealth of highly emotional children's books and, and movies that cover such good ground for uh, developing empathy and things like that. So for sure, for so sure. Better. But yeah. speaking of, of movies, yes. you are a huge movie fan. I am. <laughs> what, what sort of things do you, do you look for whenever you're, you're picking out a, a movie? Um, well, how about this? What sort of things in movies make it a favorite movie for you? 
Oh, that's a good question. It's definitely changed. <laughs> so it used to be um, beautiful scenery and extensive dialogue <laughs> that got me, um, but that's evolved. And um, I feel like that would have been like Pride and Prejudice, um, yes. Little Women. Yes. Yeah. Those kinds. Um, and even like, you know, rom-coms, you know, they're, they're always pretty. Yes, <laughs> they, yeah. they don't necessarily have the, the good dialogue, but, but they're pretty to look at. <laughs> um, it's an important and, quality in a movie. Yes, for sure. And now I think what gets me definitely is um, it, the story has to be redemptive. Like there, there has to be um, either like a really big hurdle to overcome or good and evil, the, the fight between good and evil and, and good prevailing. Um, and really like almost anything Christopher Nolan has done. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. <laughs> um, really good. He's so good. And I think, yeah, the dark Knight series is like up there in my top, <laughs> top <laughs> favorites. Um, yeah. Well, it's no Pride and Prejudice, but still pretty to look at with good dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It it's is. well filmed. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Rena, thank you so much for talking to us about fostering kids and adopting kids and kind of bringing them into your family and, and seeing how God is allowing y'all to grow together through that process. It's really for welcome. Sure. For yeah. sure. It was my pleasure. Next week, we will listen to Tom Gibson's conversation with Colby and Emily Humphrey. Thanks for listening.